Hello, friends, and welcome to this week's installment of Bloomington Spirits. I'm your host, Josh, and today we have an extremely special guest. You know him. You love him. It's the one and only Michael Baylor. Michael is heading into his third and final year of his master's in acting here at IU, and he's hands down one of the best performers I've seen work in this town. You've probably seen him as Brutus and Julius Caesar, Ross and the Goat, or the Fierce and Black Stash, and Peter and the Starcatcher, but I'm also extremely lucky to have this guy as a co-host on the podcast, Big Little Recap. And if you're a big fan of Big Little Lies and you're caught up with this season, I urge you to check it out. We have some awesome conversations, just like the one we have today. I'm incredibly lucky to call this guy a friend, and let's be honest, we're all incredibly lucky to have this guy walking around on the planet Earth. And if you don't know that by now, you will at the end of this episode. So, without further ado, here is Bloomington Spirits Episode 2 with Michael Baylor. Roll the clip! Well, hello, Michael. Hello, Josh. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank uh, you for having uh, me, man. Of course, man. I I was thinking before we started, you know, it's nice that we finally are really getting to know each other this summer. Yeah. Um, I Between the podcast, big little recap for you guys, uh, shameless plug, mm-hmm. uh, we, uh, we have both share affinity for Big Little Lies. Yeah. Um, and we have a wonderful podcast uh, called Big Little Recap. Uh, I'd like to think it's a clever title. But uh, you can find that it's on nice. Spotify as well. Um, so, yeah. What are we drinking today, man? Today we are both having a nice glass of Merlot. Or as everyone else would probably call it, Merlot. Right. Right. The wonderful Merlot. It's funny. Um, when you first, when you first texted me about it and I was like, what, what do you want to drink on the pod? And you're like, oh, let's have some Merlot. I immediately thought of Sideways and there's this joke in it when he's like uh, Paul Giamatti is getting really mad at um, his the guy he plays opposite with. I can't remember his name, but he's just supposed to be this like a snotty wine drinker. And he's like, we're not drinking effing Merlot. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> but, uh, so I always think of that whenever somebody says Merlot. But um, so what, what made you what's your why is Merlot one of your favorite drinks, man? Uh, well, um, I was never really. I don't know. I never really drank wine or anything like that. Um, but then uh, there was some point last year where uh, my my roommate uh, Joe Joe D'Ambrosi he had oh, uh, what a man uh, what a what a great he missed being. that dude oh yeah every day he uh, he had a bottle of Merlot and I had some of that and then I went to Oliver Winery with mm. a number of uh, I haven't gotten to go yet. It's a great place. I'd check it out, man. I believe. Cool, like, it's funny. I so up in my family cabin. Apparently, in Michigan, northern Michigan, it's a great place for grape growing for wineries. Apparently, yeah, which I didn't know until a few years back when my parents and siblings and stuff were like, "Let's go all, like wine tasting," because apparently there's all these great places to go. And so I always ended up being the DD, never mm-hmm. like getting to see these awesome views of these great wineries, but never actually getting to try. But um, I now that I'm 21, I would love to go to Oliver soon. Maybe yeah, well, Oliver has this great deal that's $5 for a tasting of uh, like eight different wines. I'm pretty sure that's what it is. Wow, that's And that's where bad. I discovered like the Merlot that was there. They right. they had, um, I, I tried one of it because before I was like, I think I only like white wines. I don't really know how I feel about red wines. And I tried the Merlot there and I was like, this is really good. But my main like affinity with it is because I was so happy that I liked it because my grandpa Wayne um, that's a love. great grandpa name. I know, right? That's it's that's great. that's prime grandpa name. Yeah, mine was mine were Rich and uh, Bernard. 
Oh, or Bernie. Bernard. Bernard yeah. Bernie. That's good. But I mean, like, they also, my, my grandparents were old school, so they were always like, you can't, you have to say Grandpa Carter, Grandpa Dockery, or whatever. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, anyway, sorry, I didn't mean to sidetrack well, I, you. I got a Grandpa Wayne and a Grandpa Bob. Ah, those are my, both great grandpa names. Yeah, absolutely. Dang. Yeah, but he, my Grandpa Wayne loved Merlot, drank Merlot. Um, what all, I feel like he always had a glass of Merlot when we were, like, having a meal or something like that, and so I was like, yeah, Merlot. So that's, like, my go-to, like, if I'm chilling out, just want a glass of something Merlot. It's the way to go. Totally. Totally, man. Um, and for those of you who are curious uh, of what wine are we, wine are we, we are drinking, it is Josh wine. Um, call me conceited or what, Hey, but they're, they're good wine. Joseph Carr does a great job. It's good. Um, so yeah, well, Hey, let's get to, let's, let's hop in this thing. Sounds good. Um, it's funny. I don't know a lot about, uh, where you come from, or mm-hmm. all that good jazz. So why don't you tell me a little about that, man? Cool. Uh, well, I come from humble beginnings. Uh, it was <laughs> no. Uh, I uh, I'm from. Don't a, we all? Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> I I'm from a really small town in northern Illinois called Big Rock. It's uh, right in the middle of the country, right outside the uh, most western suburbs of Chicago, like uh, Naperville, Aurora, that area. But going west, it goes. Naperville, Aurora, Sugar Grove, Big Rock, ding, ding, ding. That's where I live. Um, the real city of Illinois. Yeah, the true like, city. Like, screw Chicago. Yeah. This, is, this is the real place. Yeah. When I say small town, I mean, like, because it's been interesting being here because sometimes people are like, it's weird being in Bloomington and now being in a small town. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, this place is huge. <laughs> yeah. No, like, I'm, I'm kind of the same way because yeah. my hometown, the nickname is Barnyard Center. So um, it's, it's, I, I can relate to that. Yeah. 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 I like, so growing up in Big Rock, um, like growing up, my class in just Big Rock was around maybe like 25 kids. Whoa. And yeah. And it was, Holy and my cow, class that was is like tiny. Yeah. And my class was like 20 boys and five girls. And so, wow. I'm always, sure, I'm sure they were all tight. I, yeah, I, I always felt bad because we were an yeah. obnoxious group of uh, uh, boys, young boys. Yeah. They're always yeah. idiots. Absolutely. You know, so. Don't know what is going on or yeah. how to live life. Um, so what was, so you're in this super small town. How, how do you get involved in theater and, you know, performing arts that, okay. yeah, where's that spark from? Yeah. So, uh, it's funny. I, as a little kid, um, growing up and I mean like super, super little, like four or five, I was, um, the most painfully shy child really in the world. That's kind of shocking. Yeah. Cause you it, don't, yeah, that's, yeah, I, I know now it's hard to believe, but I, back then I, like, it was something like, if I didn't know you, if I, if you weren't like, like a friend or a member of my family, and you were trying to talk to me or interact with me, I would get scared, I would Dunzo. get mad, I'd like Shut hide, yeah. cry, do all that sort of stuff. It was bad. And um, I remember my mom uh, was or would, was the superintendent of our Sunday school at my church, and nice. she um, would always put on these like little uh, special music things for the kids to do like every once in a while. And I remember one specifically where I just had to stand up in front and like hold something. And she, during like rehearsal for it, I like immediately ran and sat back down by her and she was like, you can't, she's like, you can do this now, but you can't do this during the middle of the service. And I was like, Oh, okay. 
So we get up there and maybe like five seconds into it, I start to, I'm like, oh, no. yeah, yeah, I can't this, do this. And this mom. Little, this kid behind me, bless his heart, is trying to like hold me there. Like your mom's going to kill you. But I was like, no, I can't. <laughs> so I ran back down there. Yeah. Painfully shy. Oh man. Um, and then it was around, I think when I was in second grade, my mom, or when I was in first grade, I saw our school play every year. Big rock would always put on, uh, a school play that was like, I think second grade through eighth grade students. And they always had these big things because the, I think it was the, there was a woman, um, uh, who would, uh, put on productions that were done by, I think like the Aurora women's theater or something like mm -hmm. that. And they would donate a lot of like sets and stuff and the scripts that they were using for our school. And we would do like a little kids program. Great. And they did, um, I can't remember what it was. It was something Charlie, like, a charlie brown related gotcha. it wasn't like you're a good man charlie brown it was like was it snoopy it, I don't know. The, it, was, yeah. it was something yeah, yeah, uh, yeah but whatever it was i was enthralled and it was cool to see people that i knew in something like that right so then, absolutely yeah it was the next year that uh my mom they were doing wizard of oz and my mom was like you should try out you should go out for it and i was like oh i can't really and she's like yeah yeah try it and so i did and i got like a bunch of like as a second grader I just got a bunch of like small like like three different uh -huh. like chorus were you an oompa loompa uh -huh. yeah dude like this is funny because this is the second person on the podcast who has been an oompa loompa at some point in their oh see, in no, their sorry career. i didn't hear you i wasn't an oompa oh loompa. oh bummer. at that point i was still a talk also for anybody who um uh listened to the first podcast i did and i will own up to this I mis said Oompa Loompas were in Wizard of Oz when I totally were thinking of Munchkins. And so oh. I just want I just want to apologize for any listeners who might be mad because I certainly would be. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, actually, no, I wouldn't not be mad. But anyways, yeah. carry on. Sorry, just yeah, to sidetrack so, you. No, no. <laughs> you weren't. You, right. More, in uh, Wizard long of story Oz. short, you were not yeah. an Oompa Loompa. Right. I was in Wizard of Oz and I loved it. I thought it was awesome to do it and it was great um, to just go out there, be silly and mm -hmm. do whatever and have a good time. And so then I kept doing those plays and next year we did Peter Pan. And then the next year, the next year after that was my big year because we did, uh, Jack and the Beanstalk. Oh man. And, uh, starring your boy, role. your boy was Jack. Booked it hard. That's right. Wow. It was the audition of a lifetime. I can't, I, I nailed it. I believe no. that with all of my heart. I wish I could go back and see that because I'm sure it was, it was mesmerizing. It was it was one of those things where it's like if you were just remotely outgoing in some way, which right. in that setting I was like, right. let's do it, yeah. then, you know. So, what, so do you think that it was just being in the setting with some people that you're, because you said you've been, you've worked with them a little bit, so you're kind of familiar with, do you think that's why, why you were able to break out of that shell a little bit just because having that prior knowing we're working with that team before uh, i think it was a little bit of i i just really loved uh being able to uh like entertain like a crowd of people mm -hmm. you know like to see them like engage and laugh and do whatever and the uh the idea of i, I don't know it's it's so backwards that i was so petrified right. of any kind of stranger and yet in this capacity i was dying to be the Set, like on center stage yeah and doing the thing yeah now i can relate so. to that because i was a total bookworm growing up mm. um i would my favorite places were barnes and noble and the library Absolutely. and i 
didn't start really doing theater until about fourth grade or so. My first real show is sixth grade, but I would do like summer camps and things like that, all that good jazz. But I was in the similar boat where it's where, it, and I find that getting to, throughout talking to more more and more people on the podcast, there's a big theme of people feeling like once they get on get onto stage and get that first hint of laughter or uh, find that first audience real engagement it's kind of like a drug where they feel like they can't get this in their real life just because of who they are and being shy or nervous and a nervous wreck like myself as I was and getting to feel that moment of like, Oh, is this what everybody else feels like? Like the outgoing kid who has all the friends, is this what he feels like or she, you know? Mm-hmm. And yeah, I've, it's, it's interesting. Cause like I said, I keep, keeps popping up. Yeah. Um, do you, were you the, only are you the only performing arts person in your family you said your your mom was involved with with that a little bit but yeah mom put on programs for our sunday school she was always in charge of that um and my sister when she was in high school did um and in the grade school she did the school the uh programs at big rock and she when we got to hinkley big rock high school she uh she did the some of the shows for like our very small theater stuff that we did there she did shows there and uh my dad's not a performing arts person but he is an artistic person he's a he's a writer his degree is in english oh incredible yeah, so he is it more novels or it's poetry poetry oh yeah. wonderful so that's really cool yeah wow yeah. so did he ever make you start reading poetry or anything like that to when you were young to maybe get you the get the bug like mm. he did or no no uh my my family was definitely one of those, like, you know, whatever you find that you like, whatever you, or wherever your passion lies, we know mm. we'll support that and feel that. So. Totally. Well, that's awesome. Yeah. Did you, uh, were you a fan of Dead Poet Society growing up? Cause that. I am uh, kind of ashamed to admit it. I've never seen it. What? I've never seen Dead Poets Oh Society. man. Okay. I'm well, sorry. If you have to turn off the podcast at this point, I am so sorry. Dude, well, we'll have to watch that at some point because that movie, I mean, one, it's one of those movies where you look back and you see the cast, especially of the young guys who are in it, and mm-hmm. you're like, oh my gosh, some of these dudes blew up, like Ethan Hawk being the the big right, guy. Yeah. But I mean, Robin Williams' performance in that, it's truly, truly mesmerizing and very inspiring. Um, it was one of the reasons, one of the mo- one of those movies like that, and you know, Goodwill Hunting, like other, you know, mm-hmm. the classic white boy movies that gets every <laughs> every uh, white boy in performing arts excited about things. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> I'll be the first to admit that. So uh, that's pretty cool, though. I mean, I've uh, so does your does your dad like continually write poetry? Does he teach or what's he what's he do? No, my dad. What my dad does for work is uh, different from what his uh, degree is in. Uh, but uh it's interesting he's in the past few years he's gotten back into uh writing poetry and uh yeah he sends that along to uh to me and my sister and uh to look at and so he really likes it i don't think he's looking to to publish or anything well that's 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 an awesome thing i feel like poetry is set i mean it's one of those art forms where it's so personal Mm -hmm. that i i feel like of any art form i understand it being one that you want to keep close to your vest Mm, um because i mean like with your with music or 
acting or you mean obviously those are ones where it's very much about the audience um you know poetry or painting like if you've seen uh marvelous mrs Maisel, there's a great scene where in the second season where she meets um this very famous painter and he has this incredible masterpiece in his one of his back rooms in his studio apartment and he's like I poured everything I ever had into this and I'm not going to share it with anybody. I'm going to keep it to myself um, because he doesn't think that anybody else would really be able to appreciate it or something along those lines. But mm. anyways, I, I find it very, that's, that's like peak artistry. I feel like where it's, it's past the point of trying to get any um, praise from any outside source. It's purely about finding solace through your own work right um and i think that that's that's awesome but uh so you went to undergrad at mizzou i did um what you what drew you there first well uh when i was in high school at hinkley bergock high school shout out um Woo, what was your I, mascot uh, we were the royals the royals hell yeah the royals and uh uh nice we always it was were you like, were you, was your mascot like a knight? Like, like all that? So we a, didn't really have someone that dresses as a mascot. Although at some of our basketball games, my friend Luke uh -huh. would always, he would dress up in like full, he bought like a, like a king costume. I love that. that. That's pretty borrowed, good. He borrowed my uh, crown from homecoming our senior year. Of course you were homecoming king. Yeah. Well, of course yeah. you were. Yeah. How could you not? Hair flip. Look. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Um, that's funny. I, um. I always was like, if I ever had the opportunity to do it, wear a mascot costume, I absolutely would. Yeah. Cause I, I feel I'd like, like it, I experience. feel like it'd be a pretty fun time Yeah, just getting to go around and goof and just being like, nobody knows who you are. Yeah. Um, it was fun. Oh, I was listening to the Ron, uh, to Will Ferrell the other day on a different podcast and he was talking about how he was doing Ron Burgundy for one of the LA Kings games. Mm -hmm. And so what he was talking, he was taking pictures with their mascot, uh, who was like a lion, I think. Um, cause like they're King of the jungle or whatever, you know, some right. stupid thing yeah, anyways. Right. So, but you know, mascots can't talk. It's like part of the thing, but he has, he's standing there like, Will Ferrell's like, like, you know, like getting all close with him. And then he just hears, I'm your biggest fan. Whisper to the crowd. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, that's incredible. I love that. That's awesome. Um, but anyways, back to Mizzou, you were saying. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So uh, when I was in high school, I did uh, sports. I really didn't do a lot of acting and performing. I, I, you know, I found my ways into still doing like performing and everything mm -hmm. um, in terms of uh, like pep rallies and stuff that we would put on. Right. But my main focus was sports when I was in high school and all the different clubs that I could be in right. and every kind of extracurricular. What was your favorite sport you played? Basketball. Yeah, I can. Although I, 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 I would have guessed. Yeah, I, I played basketball as I've done that my whole life. But track was and that, that holds a special place in my heart, too. Mm -hmm. I, I loved I loved uh, doing track. I went running for the first time in like two years the other day. Oh, yeah. And it? I'm still sore. Yeah. 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 I. uh yeah. I start try. I stood up uh, out of bed this morning, and it was there was an audible. Yeah. Please God. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but that's that's great, man. So, what sparked that you know desire to want to start trying to trying to change things up a little bit? Then, uh, well, when it was time to get ready to decide where to go to school, um, 
the thought process I was having was I want to do something where I can be like in front of a camera or doing something. Right. Um, but I was like, theater, you can't major in that because that's not stable. Like, who would do that? And uh, I thought, what about like journalism? I could maybe like write something. I could totally I could, see you as a journalist. And I could be, I could do it be a broadcast or I could do something like that. Right. And when that was going around and we're looking at programs for that, um, someone in the school district told my mom, uh, he has to look at Mizzou because Mizzou always claims that they have, they are the number one journalism program in the country. Right. And so we went down, we visited like I, before I had visited other places, I visited like Iowa and Drake and, uh, where my mom went to school at Carthage, which is up in Wisconsin. Right. And then we went down to Mizzou and, when I was just sitting at Mizzou in the like admissions office waiting for our like welcome meeting thing, I was sitting there and I was like, I leaned over my mom and I remember saying like, I really like this place. I think this is really cool. Yeah. And then my mom you know, leaned over to my dad. Another point was like, I think this is where he's going to go. And I really, and so, yeah, that was my main decision. I was like, I loved it there. It was wow. just, I knew it. I fell in love just with it. Just that perfect and, fit. So yeah. did you go in undecided as a major and then slowly find your, stumble your way into theater or did no. you automatically? Yeah. I, so I went into journalism. Um, right. That's what I decided to do. And I was cool. in a journalism freshman interest group, which means that it was big. And our fig, what you do is you live on the same floor as other people in your fig, and you take a lot of the same... Fig as in, like, Fig Newton's fig? Oh, uh, yeah. It stands for freshman interest group. But, yeah, ah, fig. That's wow. What it was. Okay. Uh, you, said, you said that already, and it just hey, went right over good. my head. Um, I promise you I'm not even done with my first glass of Merlot. <laughs> Listeners, if you're, if you're worried about me, <laughs> I, just didn't, I just have zero hearing. Hey, it's Anyways. all good. Uh, so I lived, uh, on a floor with a bunch of people that I was taking. There was like our journalism fig A and journalism fig B. And we were all in like, all of us were in two of the same three, uh, common like, uh, uh, electives or no, uh, one of those like requirements, gen ed requirements. Right. There we go. Took a lot to get there. Yeah. But it must be nice being an MFA where you don't have to worry about gen eds and things yeah, like that. My, yeah, Goodness. yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so we did that, and it was actually it was really amazing. The like everybody on my floor, I, we were all super close. We were all hanging out all the time, and um, you know, having study sessions and all that together, and you know, hanging out, doing whatever you know right, you right, do right. when you're a yeah, freshman. Yeah, absolutely. College. Staying up um, till two in the morning, eating pizza, you know, nothing, whatever, yeah, all that yeah. good jazz. Playing um, Smash till the day is over. Oh, absolutely, yeah, and. Yeah, it was a great group of people. But I quickly l realized living with people who were invested in journalism, they had done it at their high schools, they had a, a passion for it, that I realized I have no passion for this. Like, I right. don't care for it. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, my first semester, I was taking an acting for non-majors class at Mizzou. There it is. And I was like, you know, this is what I love. This is... Uh, this is something that I like was, it was the one thing I was clicking with. I was going right. home and I was spending most, I was like getting all my other homework out of the way. So I could so do you could just work on yeah. my acting for my acting for non-majors homework. And, um, uh, I, I remember I, it was bef like before the halfway point of the semester and I called my parents and I was like, I think I want to change my major to theater. And they were like, do it. You have to do it. They're like, you, they're like, oh, we I love figured, that. They're like, we figured it, this would be the course of action. And yeah. if this, this is the time where you have the time and the energy, go for it, do mm. it. 
I love that. I changed my major and the rest is history. Wow. So where did where did your desire for a master's come into the into the fold? Was that pretty early on where you're thinking I need I want to continue on with this pretty quickly because I mean you you went right from your undergrad to here. Mm-hmm. Um, what was that decision like? Well. When I changed my major, I dove right into immediately starting to do shows. And then I would just do show after show after show after show after show. And um, it was toward, it was more towards the end of my uh, time at Mizzou. I had a couple, there were a couple grad students that um, had gotten their MFAs and were, hmm. had brought up the idea. And there were other students that were older than me that had gone and like tried to pursue the MFA or had auditioned at Erda's or something like that. And, um, the more people told me about what an MFA was like, the more I was intrigued by it because, um, I, you know, I loved Mizzou's program and I loved being there. Um, but I wanted more. Right. And I was intrigued by the, the by the idea of just like you were saying, being in a program where I don't have to worry about other gen ed classes regarding all these Absolutely. other things that I have to fulfill for requirements and could instead just be in a program where I could get the educational setting and really study acting even more and study like myself and my craft even more um, in a setting where that's just my focus. Like that's what I'm here to do. Right. And so what has that been like being here where you're not really having any of the distractions? This is solely getting to hone your craft. What's that been like for you, Uh, especially after coming off from not having any time to, you know, explore yourself out as an actor in the real world mm-hmm. what's that like yeah it's um it's a, it's its own beast it's a different kind of thing um because while i'm here taking my class and studying acting i'm also you know i'm teaching classes i'm in shows i'm you know before i was doing work hours for the department and right you know also just trying to figure out life stuff too you know Absolutely. at the same time while doing all this trying to book professional auditions and trying to do all these other things for summer work and just to have audition things going around and working on my own material and all that stuff. Um, but I've, you know, absolutely loved, uh, being here and I've completely feel it was the right decision. It just kind of worked out that Mm -hmm. when I did my first round of, um, auditions uh, for grad school programs, I got a lot of responses and a lot of interest. And so, and I was able to find this program, which ended up working out right. and being how many, how fit. many total did you look at? Um, when I did the initial round of auditions at Erda's and then satellite auditions the next day, um, I talked to, I think a little under like 30 schools nice. or wow. 30, like different good programs chunk. of right. some kind. And, but then of that, you know, there only, there was only a handful that ended up reaching out, you know, there were a couple that were overseas and like, uh, in England that I was like, okay, maybe, but you know, the financial aid is pretty much non-existent. Um, then it kind of got whittled down to about three choices that I was interested in, um, which was here, university of Houston and, um, uh, University of uh, North Carolina, Mitch Chapel Hill. Oh, nice, nice. Um, which with them, it was more of a, they're like, w- you're you're on like the second list. Like if people decline, then you would be someone that yeah, we'd reach out got to. You, got and you. So and Houston was the same thing, um, but then Houston was like, hey, this person dropped out. We're interested in having you. Mm. And so, but North Carolina was like, we don't know if that's gonna happen. And I was like, right. okay, but I I have to make my decision. So right. I'm gonna choose IU. Yeah. So what's been, you think 
what's the most surprising thing that you came in you, you didn't expect coming into this program that you've experienced so far um i mean it's just getting to witness in my four years here um i've had i think like because you've been here since my sophomore year mm. we'll be going out together next year which will be fun Woo! Yeah. 2020 Woo! yeah 2020, but I so I've had like three or four classes of graduating um, MFAs, and so I feel like I've gotten to know um, a few of them, and a lot of them say that teaching is a great um, way to learn not only through, um, you know, uh, by by helping teach tools that you've learned and have in your toolkit of. Uh, you know, fundamentals essentially, you know, through like acting one and two, two and so on. Um, has that been a similar experience or do you think something else has been more of a surprise to you um, in your time here? The, the thing that you just brought up about teaching, I think is something that for me, I found to be super important, um, which is funny because it makes me always, I always go back when I'm, if I'm talking to my dad or um, people about acting, it's so interesting, the same correlation between my time doing sports in high school and all that to now putting that same kind of discipline and that same kind of idea into sticking just with the fundamentals right um in acting as well and there's a lot of there's a lot of similarity there's a lot of overlap between both things and uh yeah through teaching the fact that we're teaching out of uh we use uh, certain guideposts from uh, audition by Michael Shirtliff and those are right. the things that I try to go back to a lot because I love that for, book it, it, it just it, for me it helps because not some of the things in there are maybe a little bit outdated and yeah you know, some of yeah. them are kind of problematic but uh, a lot of like the basic level things just getting back what I what I like and what I try to tell my students just to just continue to go back to the fundamentals you know the things that it talks about in those initial mm -hmm. guideposts about what is it that you're doing? And so the thing that stuck out for me in terms of teaching, but also as a performer is just relying on the fundamentals and knowing that if you allow yourself to just to do your homework in terms of knowing what those fundamental things are, what your groundwork is, that you can just allow yourself to what it really means to just let yourself go. Right. That's the thing that's really stuck out to me is what that really means to be present and to just let yourself go, which is something still that I'm, that I'm still working on and trying to figure those things out. Absolutely. But, I'm yeah. uh, one of those, like you said, getting back to basics, I am in little women right now and it's my first real, real like period piece. Um, mm -hmm. And we're not being, it's not, I mean, it's definitely a big part of it. I mean, Civil War period, um, that's it's a very prevalent part of the show, but some of the language of how it's written is a little bit more modernized, but trying to find how that can fit into my process of like how far should I go with this, um, it's been a very interesting thing, and, I, and I've found myself going a lot back to just being as open as you can to just listening and connecting as well as you can eye to eye with your partner. And it's been showing me so many more things of just more realizations that I didn't really think about in the scene, just on a practical level of like, Oh, so this is why 
they would say things like shant or in in general because i mean mm-hmm. it's just when it comes down to vocabulary it's it that can be a that for some people and myself included can be a big hurdle to get over right um because we get so ingrained in our own modern vocabulary of what we have i mean we do primarily pretty modern shows here at iu or at least the ones that i've been involved in and getting finding back and looking through my some of those books at the beginning of this process being like all right what are some tools that i can get it's really those fundamentals that are going to be your real saving graces when you're going um to putting things up in an actual production setting yeah i mean like well what is the and we also use a practical handbook for the actor um and one of the main things i talk about that in that is um acting is living truthfully under imaginary circumstances exactly so you think about you know, even though it's in a different period, it's in a different time that you're used to. It's just finding the way, finding your way into that world. So that way you can be open and just allow yourself to, like it says, live truthfully under those imaginary circumstances. And a lot of it too comes down, at least for me, reminding myself to, uh, um, and it's funny because we get this all the time from our professors and from directors and people that we're working with, it's always just to be human, you know? Just don't forget to be human as Josh goes into pour another glass of sweet Merlot. Did you t- yeah, I can top you off, man. Of course. You. So what are some things, just practically, what's your classes like for the MFA? I mean, that's one thing, like I've said, I, I've gotten to know quite a few uh, of y'all in my time here, but I don't really know what your day-to-day classes are like um what's what's that you know in a day of a life of a master's student i should say so the way our kind of core curriculum works out is every semester we have uh voice and movement and some sort of acting class that we take and then we have other things that we take along with that as well right in the first year it was taking um we have two requirements for uh uh, HTL cor- courses, so histories, uh, history, theory, and literature. Um, and we took those both our uh, first year. So the second year, we'd have kind of two sort of acting classes of some kind. Um, and yeah, so with voice and movement, it's nice because we're working with it. For me, it's more um, we're getting introduced to different methodologies um, yeah. in terms of performance with movement. You're looking at things like, okay, what's Laban? What's Suzuki? What's Viewpoints? Right. And then in voice, we're looking at, okay, what's, you know, what's Rodenberg? What's a little bit of Linklater? And, yeah. you know, what are, you know, some do you have a, do you have a favorite? Cause like my personal favorite technique person when it comes to just acting, I love Uta Hagen to death. Mm-hmm. Um, Respect for acting is, I think is one of my, the best books I've ever read in my life. Yeah. Um, I can, I continually go back to it. I try to read through certain chapters of it before I go into every, any production just to give me a refresher of perspective, do you have anything that really speaks to you that you've gotten to learn a little bit more about while you've been here? Well, one of our, the, or my whole co, my whole co, cohort, sorry. Yeah, I'm, I'm through my one glass of wine. I'm sorry, y'all. Uh, <laughs> my, uh, my cohort will always talk about our first semester uh, acting class was a Meisner based class with the. Uh, Love Meisner as well. Yeah. Uh, with Martha Jacobs. And, it uh that class was fantastic in terms of opening us up to just forgetting this notion of being performative and feeling like you need to do more than right. just be yourself to be enough right 
and that you are enough as a performer on stage when you, uh, you know, as long as you're engaged and present and in the moment and how at that kind of just focused in on crafting the specific things, the cold facts for yourself and then finding the certain things of what you're going after. And, you know, how do you, how do you feel about that? Okay. How do you, what's like your hot who for this person? Right. Just like boiling it down to just these simple things and just allowing yourself to be present and not taking anything for Absolutely. granted. Absolutely. One thing that I love about um, doing some Meisner work when you just get to do repetition uh, mm. practicing is one of the most, for those of you guys who don't know, um, a big part of Meisner is repetition exercises where essentially you have, you're, you're essentially repeating what the what your partner is giving to you um, as blankly as you can until you essentially wipe away all of your normal self and correct me if I'm explaining this wrong. Um, and you're until you get to the point where you're just reacting as pure as you can, as your, um, yeah. character to be, to get as much out of your own head as possible. Right. Just focus in on, you know, taking the idea of what am I doing completely out of the equation and just focus in on what you're what you feel you're seeing from your partner absolutely like when you're looking into their eyes and you're like okay you're excited oh you're timid you're as timid, we look like into you. michael's deep blue eyes <laughs> and we begin deep, to repeat the deep oceans the of, deep ocean <laughs> the deep but, oceans of michael's eyes yeah, yeah. <laughs> so what's your what what would you say i mean you've done quite a few great roles in your time here yeah. uh you i've I've been very vocal about you being one of my favorite performers that I've seen here at IU. Um, Of course, man, you kill it every time I see you in anything, even in shows that um, aren't the greatest. You're still killing it. Thank you. Constantly. (laughs) Um, What do you, what would you say? This is kind of a twofer question. What would you say are some of your favorite, what's your favorite production or role that you've been a part of and what, what are you, what kind of roles are you drawn to in general? What kind of characters are you attractive, attracted to, to play? And um, why do you think that has kind of came the way it has for you? If that made sense. Yeah, that did. That, that last That's sentence was like, what? You got to mold over in the brain a little bit. Um, totally. I will um, tell the audience about while you think um, I'm smelling this this um, incredible Merlot and I'm getting hints of Josh is smelling Josh. I'm sm- that, uh, that just sounds interesting. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm going to do a little ASMR for you guys. Like a, <laughs> I just, okay. I just killed myself. Sorry guys. <clears throat> I hope that, I hope that's given you yeah, that gave time. Me plenty of time. Okay, thank good. you thank, so much. Thank God. Um, thank you for stalling. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We're good. Um, so I have every production that I do, I always love in some capacity, even the ones that have driven me crazy. And I I have like 40,000 things that I could rip on it about because of how frustrated right. I was. Um, even in those experiences, I'm of the mind. I always try to find those things and I'm always uh, appreciative of those things that I can grow from in a production and everything that I do. And this is something that I feel like it's the case for every, everybody, no matter what your experience is, there's always something you can take away from it. That's super, absolutely that's beneficial for you. 100%. And so for me, uh, yeah, every production I've been able to find those little things for myself that I can take away and to help 
whether it's like, okay, now I know this about me as uh, as just like being a part of an ensemble for the next show that I do, or this is something that I was struggling with. How can I tackle that more head on mm. the next time I'm doing something? Um, and for me, so if, if I had to pick a production, a production that I loved working on, most recently I loved working on, uh, I loved working on Only Child, which was a new play that we, yeah. uh, that was put on by IU this year, written by Aaron Ricciardi. Full disclosure, my one of my favorite parts I've seen you in the the scene where you and George Moeller um, are sharing the kayak. Oh yeah, the kayak um, scene. I love that scene too. I was almost in tears. Like you, that that was an incredible scene. You guys, your guys' chemistry is so great and you just had this i mean for those of you who don't know that well you want to give a little synopsis for the viewers who didn't get the chance to see yeah so uh, only child uh it's about it's um it's about this complicated who's yeah it's complicated and i it was funny trying to like sitting down and uh after the show closes, I was talking to my students about, okay, the show is because we see all the shows. Right. What do you think? And everyone's like, oh, what the, like, I have so many questions. Cause it, 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 it's one of those that it's about this prince who is a literal prince, literal prince. Yeah. Who, uh, is a student of this woman who's his theater teacher. Um, and it's so the characters that we see are the theater teacher, her husband, Pat, who's the character I played and their daughter, who also is will do kind of jump back and forth between she's the daughter, but she's also Jess's mother, who's recently passed away. Right, played and by the same person. Played by the same person, same actress. Yeah, who the who did incredible? What was her yeah, name again? Martha. Martha Mar- Jacobs. Martha. Ja- oh, right, 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 right. Yeah, she she, she truly it was that was a masterful performance. Yeah, that was great. I mean, it's it's one of those ones where seeing her bounce seamlessly from both ranges of age is was mind-boggling how somebody can handle that all in one performance anyways carry on so the prince uh is this student that jess has taken an affinity to and she's trying to help him with monologues but then the relationship becomes complicated and seems and it's walking this line of is it sexual how romantic is it she's saying that she loves him she's stealing kisses from him um this you know 16 year old boy um, and there's, you know, has she done this in the past and how many other students were in the same position and all this stuff. It's a complicated right. look at like how that dynamic is affecting the rest of her family, how kind of manipulative, what's it like if she's kind of, well, the thing that we're exploring is she's kind of the center of the universe and we're all kind of caught in her orbit. And what's right. it like if we're all of a sudden finding moments outside of her orbit and what's that, what that's opening up for our world mm-hmm. and everything. So what was it like playing Pat? Uh, in that production one being you know um that being a very a very tragic character i feel like in the in the show as well because i mean he he loves his wife Mm -hmm. uh totally but he you know slowly realizing what she's done um that's a that's a whole that's a whole that's a very layered performance and uh also where was going with this um uh, what was it like being a part of, you know, creating that character from the ground up, essentially? Yeah, that, that was part of the the real awesome part of it was the fact that this is a new play. This is a new work. And uh, uh, um, the the team that we had for that working on it was fantastic. Um, 
everybody that was a part of it was a absolute pleasure to work with. And what I found interesting for some reading Pat before um, auditions and callbacks for that semester, reading through the script and it was a character that I kind of, for some reason I just clicked with right away mm. the, because I've had clicked into what his conflict was, was the fact that he, um, he is so in love with his wife and the fact that he is completely caught in her orbit. Right. He knows nothing but this world that centers around Jess, his wife. Um, but when this prince comes in, all of a sudden, I always equated it to, well, the first thing that I thought about was that he's kind of like, he's, he's exactly like a dog, like a loyal old rescue dog. Yeah. And all right. he's very like, interesting. he's like, I'm very protective of my family, like those who I'm close with and this right. person who has helped me. But when they start showing attention to like a new puppy that's come in, it's, uh, well, it's game well, over. I'm still here. What is the dynamic? Right. So Pat, I think is the thing that I was thinking of is he's constantly searching and trying to feel solid in what his function is. And he felt solid in what his function is, but now all of a sudden this new print, the prince comes in and he's, his function kind of seems to be thrown out of whack. And so he's trying to find his footing again with what's my purpose. What am I doing here? Right. Jess seems to be annoyed and distant and I don't know what's going on. And I want to ask, but I also can't overstep my boundaries because then she could kick me out. And then, well, you know, what's, if I don't have what's her. what's life without Jess, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, do you find the characters you tend to gravitate gravitate towards usually have some similar types of um, issues that they're going through, or do you have, you know, do you, do you think you like to gravitate toward more towards like a heroic type or the villains or et cetera? I mean, because another great role that you had here with Captain Hook. And oh, right. Uh, right, 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 or Black Stash, we should say. Black and, Stash, absolutely. Yeah, and um, Peter and the Starcatcher. Um, yeah, what are what are your thoughts on that for just certain roles that you would like to play or you know think that you're strongest to play? I um, I tend to. I just love the 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 more time I've spent here, the more I tend to understand and appreciate just the human aspect that goes into uh, plays and writing and these characters that all the playwrights have created. Totally. The, that these people have their own individual lives that are so, um, that their story is just as important as what my story is, especially in the world of this play. And for a character like Pat, I felt extremely... Um, I felt, I, I felt for Pat. And so that allowed me a quick jump into who Pat was. What I love about playing characters that are villains, which I did a little bit more of when I was at, uh, Mizzou. I mean, you got a great is, voice for a villain. No, thank you. I think you that's do. part of it. That's part of maybe why I get cast. Yeah. But, um, I love the the fact that the villain doesn't think that they're the villain of their own story. The villain always like, you can't go into playing a villain saying, Oh, what, what can I do to be more dastardly? Absolutely. It's more you're right. going into it. Right. How can I get what I want? Because what I want is correct. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, even in melodrama, I mean, I think modern day, I mean, because melodrama is, you know, like good and evil at its purest form. 
there's still, I mean, I think the perfect example of modern melodrama is truly the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I mean, Thanos, I think, is, while he it fits into this, you know, embodiment of evil, he still has his own perspective of mm-hmm. what he um, wants for the universe. He thinks that he's being a hero for everybody else. Right. Um, and that's the only way that you're going to capture an audience to be able to, you know, keep them enticed. Cause I mean, if you don't think if, if, uh, here, I mean, if you have a villain, you're following a villain that's just purely evil for the sake of being evil, it's just going to get boring really quick, very flat. Mm-hmm. Um, so would you say, um, when it comes to playing villains, do you often try to create as as much of like a backstory as you can to try to justify their um, intentions or do you kind of let the work speak for itself? How, how does that process go for you? Well, always the, the text is always the, the end all be all end all be all. Uh, for me, uh, along with the text, I always, this is something I try to tell my students too, is I always like to think about it as if I'm, if I was my character's lawyer. Ah, interesting. I have to be able to defend and justify every decision and action that they have or make throughout the course of the play or that they made prior. Um, so, um, if I'm looking at, uh, a character and all the things that they do, even if I, Michael Baylor, don't agree with it, which a lot of times that happens when we play villainous Murder, and, murdering psychopaths, yeah, you know, you know, horrible people. Um, you have to try to find what is it that motivated what they did and how that character would be able to justify it. And so, because that gives you then this, the same kind of driving force that you would if you were, playing the heroic character i need to save the princess well i need to kill let's go <laughs> yeah yeah i need to be i need to be bowser right turtle right that spouts fire yeah right 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 so so would you say you have a uh dream role that you'd love to play at some point um a dream role i really want to be in a production of uh Waiting for Godot. Oh yeah, I, can, I saw the production that was yeah. done here last. That was a great. Was, yeah, that was a great. That production. was fantastic. That was really, really well done. Um, Felix and Josh really know how to work together. Yeah, and yeah, when you have and Dale con- and yeah, Dale's, Dale directing yeah. it. I mean, I, that's take- one one thing that I will always regret from my time here is not having gotten a chance to work with Dale. Um, his non his non realism class working on Beckett and working on. Uh, Jay and my cohort and I did a scene from Waiting for Godot and that and just being able to work with him on that and detailing out um, because I, I'm realizing myself as an artist something that I uh, that weirdly enough I have an affinity for is sound I really like hmm. well, if I'm listening to music I'm someone who I'm much more interested in how it sounds than maybe what's being said absolutely you know and so I love the I love the musicality of it. I love the rhythm of because the, there's such a musicality, there's such a rhythm that's in Beckett's work that um, that I love. That that I think when I saw the production that Dale directed and that Josh and Felix and Connor and Matthew were all in, they found that rhythm which just makes it kind of it just sing skates for an along. Yeah. yeah. Um. So as we're kind of getting into the back part of this, uh, this bad boy, um. What do you, do you have any like big influences of 
other actors or actresses who have, uh, you know, really given you of like, oh, this is kind of who, uh, the type of actor I want to try to aspire to be or certain roles that have just been like, wow, okay, this is keeping me going ever when you're feeling a little less motivated. Like for me, uh, I'll always remember my back half of my junior year, I was feeling pretty, pretty under, underwhelmed with myself of, you know, where I was at in my performing wise, uh, life. And then I started watching Mad Men, uh, again, picked it back up and John Hamm's performance like carried me through that rest of that part of the semester. Um, do you have like a certain performance like that for you? Um, I, I like watching, you know, any sort of, uh, uh, I, I appreciate craft the craft that anybody has and the work that they put in for whatever they're doing. So if I'm watching anything that's, you know, I'm watching another play or I'm watching TV or a movie or something, I always appreciate the work that people put in and I can appreciate it more now that I've spent so many years studying acting itself. The thing that stuck, that sticks out in my mind is growing up when I was back home in big rock, um, I had a little uh, big rack, little big rack. Uh, I had, uh, a TV in my room and I had a DVR and I had it record anytime the office was on TV and for everybody that's listening this was this was before like when I got into net when I got into the office it was when Netflix was just a DVD and like delivery service like not before before it was streaming can anybody remember life before netflix started streaming <laughs> yeah yeah i can i do and no, I, I mean i i, did. I, yeah, lived I, I also remember right when they started streaming for the first time because i streamed sweet, sweet life on deck while wow. my parents watched um wow. uh the bears play um oh, okay. that if that gives you any inkling to what kind of person i was <laughs> back in the day <laughs> that says so much <laughs> anyways uh so who who on the office was it was it the michael scott it or? was absolutely the michael like because yeah. the thing that was so amazing to me about steve carell was how going back to like completely motivated in their choices it's this is what he feels is right and what is even these like super cringy things that he does and the the completely uh, like ridiculous and sometimes uh, very problematic things that Michael Scott would do. He's still fully engaged and feeling that he is the that he's making the right choice, that he's doing the thing right. that is best, right. w- you know, whether or not at the, at the end of the episode, if he realizes maybe that wasn't such a good thing to do. Um, I always was enthralled by watching him but in terms of like an artistic um uh fuel uh i've been thinking about this a lot this summer actually my artistic fuel is uh it's the people that i've it's the people the people that i've met and the people that i have in my like community and in my support system throughout my time growing up you know and yeah you know the people that i've met back home in the Hinkley Big Rock community and my family, of course, and then all the people, all the wonderful people I met at Mizzou throughout my time there and people I've met doing all sorts of things, you know, summer camps that I go to and um, people from other clubs and extracurriculars from outside of my high school and um, all the people that I've met here. um, The more that I find my 
you know, what I really like to click with is the human aspect and the characters that I get the opportunity to play, the more I get an appreciation for everybody that's around me and right. that and them as just a human being that's right. trying to that's, get that, through life the same way that's I That's what it's all about, you know, trying to weave these strings of different people together to create a tapestry of whatever piece of art you're trying to create, you know what mm. I mean? And that's one thing that I've really been trying to soak up with, you know, going into my last year here at IU. These Some of these people, I mean, the, arguably, I feel like talking to people who, you know, are, are older and who have been living their lives and whatever career or profession they've been doing, you know, call it like your early 20s and your, um, like the, those formative years of your life, I mean, they're going to be giving, those people that you meet in those times are going to be giving you inspiration for things that you're going to be doing 20 years down the line and trying to soak up those relationships as much as you can while you have them, I think is one of the most important things that anybody can do in, in your life in general, artist or not. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I, I love that answer. That's a, and I love the, the term of artistic fuel. Um, yeah. I'm, have you, was that coined from somebody else or did you, I'm sure I've heard that from yeah. someone somewhere. Yeah. Like, yeah it was like that. the, yeah, arti- what gets you going, you know, and yeah. everything like that. And, and like, it's, it's funny because I, the, if I'm looking back at shows that I've seen in my life, the ones that have impacted me the most are the ones where I have some sort of relationship or I know the people that are in it. Right. Because it's not just the play itself that I've seen. You're it's seeing the, the work ones, of the, of yeah, the your, once of it's your all friends. done, like I, there, uh, my senior year at, uh, Mizzou, um, I needed one more production credit. And so I did assistant set design for, uh, Laramie project. And which Laramie Project in itself is a play that's like, you right. know, it's going to touch the heartstrings Absolutely. of what it is and what it covers. But um, after opening night, and I'd seen it X amount of times because of tech and all the other things and dress rehearsals and making sure that everything, and I'm there watching the set to make sure it looks Make sure good. it doesn't fall over and yeah, crush and, anybody, you know, yeah, the, yeah, the casual. all those things, yeah. And I'm like, oh yeah, I painted that. I helped paint that part of it and dude uh, i've been working in the props department uh uh for in the scenic shop this past year and like that's me every show i'm like oh hey yeah i painted that thing yeah, that's the thing <laughs> yeah 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 anyways sorry but after opening night i like I, I was sobbing i could not stop i and i i was like i gotta get it together man but like i was so all the people that were in the show and a part of the show i like all their hard work coming together in this one opening night, the moment they get the audience and they, you know, just let it go. Um, it's beautiful. And I, that's, that's why I, my like artistic fuel comes from listening to the other people in my life when they've, whether they've found their passion or they've found whether that's career wise or whether it's just life wise or yeah. just listening to them talk in general and just, allow them uh, them being themselves it's what is what really i don't know that's what gets me going and that's something about just like being social you know coming from being this painfully shy kid to now i I like any chance i can get to hang out with people to be social i want to jump at because i i love it i love hanging out with people i love you know you know just being around people that i enjoy but also you know you get the opportunity to crack a joke make them laugh right and or have some sort of moment something that 
resonates and that is yeah it's that's it's a big reason why i wanted to do this podcast because it's absolutely yeah it's so much about i mean we're living in a time where everything's moving at this constant rate do it Go for go for glass three. Go go go. Okay, this is this is more glass like. <laughs> okay, two, two like, and a half. You had a small yeah, glass last yeah, time. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, let's be fair. Let's be fair. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, we're in this in this world where it's so constantly pushing forward. Of you know, what's the next big thing? Where what's the next meme? What's an you know? Mm-hmm. Where we never get to sit in these moments and have real connections with people. And whenever you are able to do that and have learn something from somebody and have this shared experience i mean you grow as a human there's nothing better than that and i mean that's where that's why i think like some of the biggest causes of you know turmoil in the world is just because people don't want to connect and that's the thing that i love about theater and you know performing arts in general where it's just it's so much about connecting to that human spirit and yeah, well, I could be on a soapbox about that for hours. Right. That's a little side note I'll throw in. That's what I appreciate about like art in general. Like I love like listening to people do music or listen. My my sister is a is an artist. She does a lot now more of uh, digital illustration, but just like mm. looking at her personality and who she is come out in that art form. Right. And then even in no matter the art form, just seeing people express themselves in some way, it's cool. Yeah. So while we're going to the back half, uh, or back end, I should say, not back half, but that'd be two hours more of this thing, <laughs> which would be which would be awesome, uh, because I love this conversation. But uh, I'm gonna do some rapid questions. All right. This is something that I do every at the end of every show. Okay. Oh um, boy. So just get ready. All right. A famous actor who you'd want to work with or share the screen, share the stage, whatever capacity. Oh. Uh. Um. Let's see. There are so many five people. Four. Uh, three. I'll, I'll go back to Steve Carell Two. because I think he's hilarious. Dude. Okay. That, that Anybody who amazing. is who hasn't seen Steve Carell past just The Office or Anchorman or you know Forty Year Old Virgin, please do yourself a favor. One, go watch Foxcatcher, and two, go watch Beautiful Boy because those performances both. It shows the absolute range that this man has. So good. I could go in a soapbox again. Anyways, next question. Favorite basketball player, NBA or college? Uh, of all time? Of all time. Oh, wow. I know, tough. Uh, well, the person that got me into the NBA, the first big uh, favorite player I had was Shaquille O'Neal. Nice. Um, I love it. I, I got like an action figure of him at Toys R Us once. I was like, who is this? And my mom was like, that's Shaquille O'Neal. And I was like, he's my favorite player. And then I became a huge Shaq fan. Love so. it. Cool. All right. I'll yeah. take it. All right. If Here's, just, by the way, if you want a good follow on Instagram, check out Shaquille O'Neal. Oh, I believe he's, it. He's pretty funny. I believe that. Okay. This is a good one. Your favorite Big Little Lies kid. Oh, okay. Big yeah. Little Lies kid. Yeah. That's good. None of uh, none of the none of the parents or anything. Okay. Well, I think it's obviously Chloe. Okay. I knew it. I, Chloe, as soon as I as soon as it came yeah, out of yeah, my yeah. mouth, well, when, when like, you asked it, I was like, oh man, cool. But then I was like, oh, it's got to be Chloe because Chloe yeah. plays all the amazing music. Chloe's the coolest. She's she's the best. And like when <laughs> Reese Witherspoon is. Uh, the crossing guard and her get at it in the first season and then she's like you're causing trouble woman <laughs> oh man please uh check out big little recap anyways <laughs> um if you could do you have to choose one scuba dive and the great coral reefs or skydive um I, i'd go scuba dive in the great coral reef uh cool. i think or great barrier reef sorry that's what i'm about what, to say what, yeah 
that place. Right. Um, Which is dying. Yeah. Sadly. <laughs> That's where we're going to end it. <laughs> Good night, America. No, uh, Stay classy, uh, San Diego. Uh, no, because I, I'm really into like planet Earth and all that stuff. Right. And so being able to see that in person would be, would be nuts. fantastic. That's something I really want to do is I want to see like a blue whale in person. Dude. It would blow my mind. Talk about goals. Scare the crap out of me. Oh, totally. So gigantic. Yeah. Like see that kind of nature. Yeah, totally. Life. Well, man, that about wraps it up. Um, there we go. I really appreciate you coming on the pod. It's, it's been an awesome conversation. Just getting to know you more. Um, and, what are some other places that people can check you out? So you have any uh, social medias that people could follow you on or any big <laughs> projects that are coming up next semester that people should look out for? Uh, well, I'm on Facebook, Michael Baylor, Baylor with a E, not an O, not like the university. It's a common mistake. I won't, you know, get mad at you if you mess it up. Everyone does. Yeah. Uh, my Instagram handle. At Michael Baylor, you can find. I wow, bar- I nice barely, and easy. Barely post on it. Uh, on my story though, I'm I I post stuff more often. He is a good so. story follow. Yeah, sometimes I'm funny. So and then uh, he's a goof. Uh, let's see, next year thesis role, Hamlet. Hey, that's uh, can't uh, wait. You know, not not a whole lot needs to go into that. I mean, it's just Hamlet. Yeah, it's just Hamlet. You what, know. what can I say? It's Hamlet. Uh, so. Yes, that's what I got coming up. Totally. Oh, this man. summer, Little Shop of Horrors. Oh, yeah. Right? Playing the plant. Yeah, doing some puppeteering. Or puppeteering. Which is going awesome. If you're in town in Bloomington this summer, check out check out Little Women and check out Little Shop of Horrors. The theme of Little for this IU Summer Theater. Yeah. 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 And check out the new musical, too. That should be. I've heard only good things so far. Yeah. And it it's a great awesome. cast. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, man, thank you so much. Um, check us out on Big Little Recap. I'm going to plug one more time. Like, yeah, um, big, I'll and, say it too. Big little recap. And honestly, like, if you haven't watched the show, obviously don't listen to the recap because I mean, spoilers. It's gonna be spoilers. But but do yourself the favor. Just watch the damn show, okay? Mm-hmm. Can we just say that here? My yeah, my my grandma Sue is a full fledged fan of the show now. That and I if talking about it, and if grandma Sue's a fan, you're gonna be a fan. If grandma Sue has approved the show then everyone needs to watch it. So I think that's it. I think, I think that's, I think that's that. Should we, uh, should we cheers that out? Sweet. Well, uh, grateful listeners, um, or thankful listeners. I am grateful for you and, uh, hope that you guys crack open a cold one and have a wonderful day. So long guys till next time.